You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business. This means that we donate 1% of our time and 1% of our revenue to conservation. If you want to find out how you or your business can get certified or learn more about the organization, visit fishandwildlife.org. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Hey guys, welcome back to another podcast here. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye, and we are going to continue this week's series of turkey chat, but as we kind of covered habitat and research... Well, now we're starting to shift because a lot of the country is starting to open up. Um, I, think, know. I think we're about as north as like Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia opened up. Yep. And that's about uh, Oklahoma, um, Kansas, if you're bow Archery. hunting. Yep. Their gun will open up next week. And then we're pretty much the week to follow in Missouri and Arkansas now. So, But everything south of that is open. I think actually Montana's close. Or some of the, some of the states out out west or Nebraska? I think Nebraska archery. usually has that early archery. Yeah. I haven't seen much out of Nebraska this spring on social <coughs> media, which is kind of interesting. It seems mm-hmm. like I I see that one pretty early, but I haven't this year. Um so a Regardless. lot of, we're right in the heart of uh turkey season. So if you guys are here every single week looking for habitat management, we're sorry. We're going to have to put you on pause for a few weeks as we enjoy. The, for for the, one of our podcasts yeah, of the week. As we, you know, this is one of our favorite months of the year um, coming up. And so, because we'll go three hard weeks of Missouri turkey season yep. and then right into food plots. Yep. And so, we're going to cover a lot on food plots uh, on our other podcasts, but. Uh, and we are going to put a pause on soil health series this week um, to cover a few things. So if you're here for the soil health series, it will con- it will pick back up next week. And and I want to be sure to say this about the soil health thing too. I think we touched on it last week, but still got some additional questions coming through. Man, we g- I'm getting a ton of questions. I know. Like, I love it. It's so boring to me to talk soil <laughs> health. Um, and and but at the same time, I have really been fascinated with the first two guests we had on. Mm-hmm. A lot of great information there um and we're going to continue down that down that road um and then we'll have a wrap up and get all of our thoughts uh, i have had a few people reach out i was like i'm i'm waiting to hear that one i thought we were going to yeah. do it this week i'm like no we're going to get even more into the weeds because so many people are enjoying this yeah. series we're going to keep it going and and so n- not that we're not addressing some questions that have come up but 
we want to make sure that we run through the list and different points of views regarding soil health before we really discuss what it is that um, that we're thinking, how we're utilizing all this information. So some of those questions are going to be answered in that future podcast. So if you've emailed in or messaged in or texted, whatever it may be, hang tight. We're, we're, we're not ignoring you. We're just developing um, through the weeks more and more information regarding and, and bringing on varied subject matter experts, which I think is fun and yeah. cool. Um, that so aren't necessarily um, super well-known on podcasts yeah. or whatever, um, but experts nonetheless. And so we're, we've got some other cool guests coming on uh, in the next couple of weeks. But for for this podcast, or I guess before we, before we dive into the turkey vest, workshops. Absolutely. I spoke with the uh, the landowner in Alabama, um, and he is super jacked up. He has been seeing quail. He has been seeing and burning this place a lot, um, both in the summer and in the dormant season. Um, has got some big corridor establishments, old field management, rocking and rolling, and um, he's jazzed up, ready to go. And we're hoping to see everyone there. It's going to be a great event in Alabama in July, and then before that is Michigan. So make it's, sure you make sign sure up for that. you sign up if you want to look. No, I, I think it's one of the best investments you could make as a landowner. As far as I do, if if you're not if you if you're interested in our consulting, but you're like ah, I don't really have it in the budget or whatever, this is going to be one of the best investments you can make because totally. we'll be giving hands-on demonstrations and and having questions, open question board, where you can ask us at the end of each little segment on all your questions and how that may regard uh, or or be transferred into your property site specific. And uh, so you'll see everything from edge feathering demonstrations to uh, how we utilize different practices in the timber from hack and squirt, girdling spray, and cutting and felling, uh, overall crop tree release, um, general TSI, and um, then you'll plant responses and burning food plots how to burn we hopefully can do some burn demonstrations but you never know those are always up in the air Mm -hmm. Um, and then old field management invasive species control and we'll even if 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 we have interest we may even do financial um, kind of classroom side of it and and weighing out prioritizing the financial side of your farm property so or your farming budget so you can basically get more out of your farm uh, and your return on your investment so I, I would say this don't be don't be hesitant to come to one or the other uh, based on its location and your proximity obviously you know you have to get there physically travel um but there's if if you're weighing out let's say a virtual property evaluation or a workshop i would strongly feel that you're gonna get way more benefit from a workshop two days in the field versus a virtual property evaluation 100 percent. that is your property specifics us talking with it this is superior in the information that you're going to learn, see, hands-on experience in these workshop events. So be a part of them. Go to um, shoplandlegacy.com, click on the field events tab, and you'll find both of the registrations there. Let us know if you have questions. We we hope to see you guys there and um, are, are going to be a huge part of it. We've got quite a few signups in both states, so we're excited. Um, but uh, more people are welcome to come. 
Adam, you yeah. ready to talk about turkey vest? Because uh, this uh, tur- turkey gear, and not necessarily this isn't a gear dump. Correct. This Th- is a gear. Um, well, like everything we do, prioritizing and how to use the tool for its best best use. Um, so, you know, soil health will be uh, an example of that. As far as here's the tools to use, here's the best ones. Here's the ones that are a waste of time, yeah. waste of money, whatever. And so when it comes to our gear, I feel like everything we do, because our business is focused so much on that prioritizing and your ROI. Streamline processes to get a return. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're looking at it, and I look at my vest, and just today I removed a call, uh, a pot call from my vest. I'm like, don't need it. Yeah. Don't need the weight. Yep. And don't need the noise or potential noise. And so I look at my turkey vest and go, okay, Everything in here has a has a purpose. For Everything sure. in here, um, you know, will be used at some point during the spring, and uh, and at some point during most hunts. And so we're gonna kind of have some fun with this. Sorry if it's not the direction you thought this podcast was going, but you can probably learn something from it anyway. Because I feel pretty confident in our turkey hunting skills regardless of what the YouTube audience might say about our calling <laughs> or my calling specifically. Um, so, um, I, yeah. I, I think one of the, cause, cause you see, let's say Turkey vest dumps, like all those videos, you can search that on YouTube and, and find a, numerous ones. Uh, but a lot of times they're, they're talking specifically about, you know, an individual line of calls or individual product lines. But, um, both of our vests are extremely uh, varied in, in what the calls are, who they're from, but it, it's not about that to us. It's more about in in the, the, the time I spend in the woods, whatever conditions I may be in, do I have something in my vest that's going to be suitable for that condition, whether it's calling, whether it is... Um, um, any type of hunting situation, whether you're on the roost hunt, whether you are mid-morning, midday kind of hunting styles, do I have everything I need to be able to fit those types of scenarios that I may encounter or roosting birds? So here's kind of what we've got. I went through mine earlier today. You're going through it right now. People are hearing zippers and whatnot, but, but essentially we've got several different topics that we're talking about first off we'll just hit it with calls right yeah. i mean this is obviously uh what most people are going to have a vest for um i don't know about you but i have a vest for comfort I, well that too and and i will say so I, I i'm looking at all this stuff and i don't think we have a single like we have relationships with some of these people as far as they're friends of ours they have call companies uh and then there's other ones that we don't even know them, and they're yeah. corporate, and could be is one of the biggest brands in it, but uh, in the in the industry for this specific category. But I like the product, so therefore I use it. Yeah. Um, so the vest, we both that is the base yeah. for us. The vest is the same one for both of us, and it's the Primo's Rocker vest. And it's got the biggest the biggest aspect of this that is amazing is the stadium seat, the built-in stadium seat um, in the vest. So it is a little bit on your back probably a little bit bigger or wider dimension but i would not want to give that up for the ability to have that stadium style seat where i can literally sit down on the edge of a field if there's nothing to put my back against or in a field 
uh, with enough vegetation. Like I can sit wherever I want and be super comfortable. We've we don't usually sit terribly long. We like to move. We like to cover ground. But at the same time, if we're waiting to burn out, or we're waiting for you know that eight thirty hour to to maybe ten o'clock. Uh, that vest is super comfortable when you sit down and, and just lean back. And, in and it. It, it, the the pockets are great. The you know uh, the one thing about the, the we had the first version too, which yep. failed, and we both got new ones because we called customer service and they shipped us a new one. But there there was the stadium seating. There's a lot of pressure on the on the inside components, and the sewing wasn't quite up to par of the fabric, and so we split out the back. Uh, but they addressed that with the version two, and I absolutely love this vest. Haven't All-time favorite issues. vest that yeah. I've had. It's kind of a strap vest, but um, yep. it it also you have the ability to put a hydration pack in there. We don't carry yep. a bottle of water, but this vest is pretty stinking awesome. And um, uh, to me, great pockets. The, the 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 few factors that really stick out, obviously. If it didn't have the stadium seat, I wouldn't even have this one. No. Uh, I would go with a totally different brand. Whoever has the stadium-style seat, that's the vest I want. But the other key thing that I like is the striker pocket. Yeah, this is nice. Because you can carry, I think it's four, four. or five. Yep. Four. And they don't rattle, and they're nice and easy to get to. And they're not – it's got enough cushion around them that you're not going to snap them. Yeah. And, and there's actually another place where you can – carry strikers but they might have a little bit of a rattle yeah. um in in the pocket if you have let's say overflow but that's the other aspect of it i have why do two. you need more than four <laughs> <laughs> i have two that i carry religiously um yeah. and uh, honestly i don't basically one's a mushroom tip and then the other is a as a um normal just regular tipped um striker and that's what i run and yeah. i make sure i have that is your, what you're doing right now is conditioning pads. And that, this right here is reminding me that I need to get more because yeah. mine's worn out. Yep. I, I added a new one into uh, my vest uh, today and another piece of sandpaper. But And it, most of these pockets are all zippered, and they're waterproof yes. zippered. So this mm-hmm. is the waterproof vest, uh, the main components. Uh, the main pockets are waterproof or at least water resistance. The, the thing I resistant. like about the, the vest is although – the stadium seat is potentially a touch bulkier than most backs. They shed weight on the vest where they could, yeah, but they didn't shed it in areas that shouldn't be shed. Like pocket-wise, we don't carry a ton, I should say. But how's that sound? I hear coming it coming through. That every turkey hunter should recognize that sound. But I but there is enough space everywhere that you're not having just these weird bulky patches within your vest it That's just right. is distributed really nicely ac- across the um the vest whether it's early season you've got uh, a couple layers on and you need to shed a layer it goes right in the back like it I, I or the I hand warmer pocket which is fleeced went when, yeah that is nice when you're when you're listening for a bird on the roost um, yeah slip your hands in there early it's, season and the other thing it's got so i like the striker pocket the rocker vest or the 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 stadium seat and the vest and up then pop, the, the the pocket the pop. pockets on the back yep um which there's one thing that i don't have in here that i will mention but um when we get to it but um there's two pockets on the back that you could put pruners uh decoy stakes so the decoy stakes mm-hmm. not rattling around with the actual decoy um or even orange flagging if you need it whatever it may be there's just two there's actually three pockets on the back there's two long skinny ones for like 
pruners and flagging and whatever. And then there's the big one, obviously, to dump a decoy in or a turkey if you you kill one. Um, So that's the best. When you kill one. Not if. When you kill one. Well, not to knock on wood, but the last few seasons have been about like that for us. It's been pretty stinking amazing for us. It's been good. Um, All right. So there's the vest. That's the vest we carry, um, and it's very practical. I think everything I'm looking at is practical. There's a few things that I could say, yeah, I really don't use that, and I could shed that, but at the same time, it's like one of those calls that I'm like, eh, sometimes they gobble at it. So it's there. Um. All right, Matt. Uh, if you had one call in your vest, if you could only choose one call, what would it be? Diaphragm. Your diaphragm mouth call. Um, what which, one which are you? I carry. I carry three to four diaphragms in. I have a. Um, it's just a. It's a plastic carry case, and it's got four yeah. slots in it. And I will carry four different mouth calls in there, um, just for varied sounds. Yeah. And then sometimes you run them. And then you've been running them a bunch in the morning. They need to dry out a little bit. Got a lot of moisture in them, so I'll just throw in a different one. Um, one of the favorite calls for me right now is a Rolling Thunder Moneymaker. Um, that yeah. is a wonderful diaphragm. The range and tone that you can get off that call. Um, I can use it for tree yelps first thing off a roost. Or I can also get it loud and I can scream it um, almost as a type locator call later in the day and then get into the medium tones sound, uh, calling a bird in, you know, at, at any point situation. So that's why I would say that's the call I'd use or I'd want if I didn't have any others. That would be my, my number one because I can do whatever I want with it. I think for a lot of guys. And it's, it's hands-free, of course. Hands-free, you can call when they're in close. Yeah. That's what, like, you know, people say, like, when you're when you're a new when you're a new hunter, what's the number one call you should learn? And people say, oh, slate call, because it's so, I would say just learn a mouth call. Yeah. Because a lot of times I see more negative. I can see guys do more negative with a slate call by calling way too loud, mm-hmm. moving way too much when a turkey's in close. Because you're going to. Sometimes you need to finish that bird out, and, and and you don't have the opportunity. Maybe you don't have enough cover. Maybe it's early season. Um, there's no leaves on the trees. There's no nothing. And, yeah, you've got a bird at 60, 70 yards, and you need to finish it out, and you can't move or you can't take your hands off the gun. That's why I always have mouth call. Yeah. And, and I've, I learned it, and I, w- I use a mouth call calling more than I do a friction-style call. If I'm the hunter, yes. If like, I'm sitting back and I will, yeah, I, I will I'll hit I will, a different call because sure. usually the hunters are in the mouth call. Exactly. Or exactly. at least in our group. And I think if you're the person, well, whether you know, float caller, you can really throw sound in a lot of different ways with a diaphragm or a slate, but you can do it a lot, I think, with a friction style call, pot and peg. Um, throw sound in, in different various ways yeah. and, and whatnot. So, um, but regardless, diaphragm, that's super important. But there's other calls uh, I've ran and will commonly still keep a, um, there's a hooks call, diaphragm, the, the name's escaping me right now, um, that I like. And the reason I like those is it's a smaller diameter call. Yeah. The, the tape is not nearly as wide. Not thick taped either. Yeah. And so, and, and for me, I always trim mouth calls regardless. I, I'm always cutting sides, um, making it a little bit smaller. That's just 
me, my palate size, I guess, and whatnot. But um, I'll run basically Rolling Thunder, Hooks, and uh, multiple varieties within them. Uh, but right now that, that moneymaker is kind of just all-around go-to, throw it in and a heart, rough situation. Heart throb, but that's the one we like. That one, from... and then there's a uh, – oh, They don't make brown. it anymore. Oh, brown one? I don't know. that Game Changer 3. Game Changer, yep. Yeah, yep. I, I like that one a lot too. So for me, mouth calls. I love the Rolling Thunder Money Maker. They've got some new ones. The names escaping me. They're an all prophylactic call mm-hmm. um, that I really like. Specifically, the pink one. That's yep. a bat wing. I like bat wing cuts the yeah. best. That yep. seems to work best for me. Although the cutting is better on a combo cut, I like the Yelp on a bat wing cut call a yeah. lot better. Um, so I'm running the hooks or the Rolling Thunder, Thunder Money Maker, and then also a Hooks Heartthrob, um, which has a combo cut on it. So those are the ones. So I use not to do the product push in whatever because we don't make a dime off of those. But um, when we use a mouth call, we use it from everything from trying to locate turkeys. And also trying to close out turkeys. So yeah. a wide range. Call very loud, call very soft. A lot of times we're using the same mouth call. It's just the amount of airflow we're doing and how loud we're trying to make it. And that's why we like them so much. And if, if we lost our whole vest and we just had a mouth call, we'd be still fine. Yeah. Now, windy days, I might be very irritated. Oh, sure. Um, you got to do a lot more walking, a lot more stopping because your, your sound just is not going to carry it nearly as far with a diaphragm in a windy situation. Yeah, so I carry typically this one. I, I've got I, I basically have two calls in this one, but uh, mine have been in my truck from driving down the road and practicing. Um, but yeah, I carry four or five mouth calls, and I usually only have one in my mouth at the yeah. at, during the hunt. Um, but yeah, you got anything to add with mouth calls? Besides, learn it and carry several with you. Um, no, and that's why the other thing I do like about them is they're lightweight. You, yeah. you can literally have four different sounds yeah. in in a very small pocket. What I will say is the call the the plastic that they come in, I don't carry it in that in that plastic case oh, because like they this. rattle. Yeah, if you shake it in that mic, like they, oh. like when you're walking through the woods yeah. and you can hear that, I, it's so annoying to me. So I, I do carry have those separate... little coin pouches typically. Yeah, although I have to take the coin pouch and now it holds my milkweed seed. <laughs> And so <laughs> that's why, yeah. yeah, I've got this one. But and so <coughs> basically, something else. I've got two in here. Yeah. And once I have one in my mouth, that's over. But um, right. that rattle is. But anyway, yeah. So we carry different coin pouches, and you carry like the old school clamshell mm-hmm. where it's got four little four dividers slotted. or whatever. Yep. So mouth calls amazing. Can't complain. No. Um, gotta have them. Gotta the Rolling them. Thunder Money Maker and the Hooks Heartthrob are two really really good calls. Um, obviously this is all personal preference, but like a face mask, I'm just going through what I can grab here on top, but a face mask and gloves. I, you guys all, may, a lot of people have made fun of me over the years for wearing this mask <laughs> and I don't care cause it's the most comfortable mask I've ever worn for turkeys. And I've been using them since I was like 14 and I'll be, I'll be very upset the day they discontinue these, but it's the Primo's Ninja series face masks and I always remove the little cotton um, or the little cloth that goes right around your face and just use it. And it's the most cool but very practical face mask I've ever found. Um, and you can get it for like eight bucks. 
I you use something I else. I, I just got a don't little, like the. I've got a thicker um, mesh kind of netting on mine, and and it does not have the mouth open. That that to me, it looks like a ski mask. That's not a <laughs> ski mask. It's like what what store are you going in to rob? Man? Yeah, and and the reason I like that hole is so I can just throw a mouth call right, in and out. Right. So or yeah, a uh, crow call or whatever. So that's my. That's the only other thing I would say with gloves is I know a lot of people kind of, you know, depends on your situation, but, um, I always go lightweight and I try and get one with the longer cuff Yeah. because no matter what, when you're putting up a gun and you're shouldering it and your arms are bent, the sleeves of probably whatever you're wearing are going to like shorten up and your forearm is going to be exposed. So I always get a little bit longer of a cuff, really lightweight glove. Um, I'm more about clip. Even Clip if it's fingers if it's like short short cuff, I would. It's got to have fingers removed. Got to. Got to. The dexterity, whether you're calling um, or whether you are running a camera, because this is the other <coughs> thing that we do and will carry with us is obviously some camera gear and battery, so we can document what's happening. But I have to be able to have fingertips on whether it's safety trigger, camera record button, or running a pot and a peg. Yeah, that's a necessity. Um, so whether the gloves have it or not when I buy it, those fingertips are getting cut off. For sure. Um, next thing up, uh, always carry a Ziploc baggie with yeah. zip ties for my tag. But here in Missouri now, you don't really need that. It's all Correct. electronic on the mobile app. But I still like to have zip ties in a in a whether, bag. Whether I go to a different state, I always carry a pocket knife in that bag as well. Just, just in a pin if I need to write on a tag situation yeah it's there um and sometimes i'll even carry big like gallon size freezer bags in there those are typically in my tub but yeah <laughs> just just in case you need to breast out a bird whatever, whatever the situation is there uh, um throwing a cooler continuing you know obviously uh you carry calls that's what i'll grab next um Man, I don't know about you, but it's going to take some mighty, mighty good convincing to get me to stop using Winchester Longbeard XRs. Very mm-hmm. affordable, twenty bucks a box. Well, it's probably more than that now. Um, <laughs> That's just because of if there's you a can shortage. find it, um, but yeah. Longbeard XR is phenomenal, and it's a it's a quality round that has extended range options, especially with the constricted choke of a you know extra full. You're going to get a really, really well-balanced pattern, and there's going to be some weight behind it thrown at these birds. But I, I don't want to shoot. I don't want to even have an opportunity to shoot a bird at 60, 70 yards. It's with, 50 with yards this, and in. Regardless. Typically, it's 40 yards and in. Yes. And I would prefer it if it's 20 yards yeah. because the footage is better. Footage is way better. The encounter, the um, the type of hunting style that, that we choose to and not putting any others down necessarily, but just saying that's the way we want to finish a bird in. And at a long beard, um, it's not too dense. It is, a, again, a well-balanced pattern at yeah. 20 to 30, 40 yards, game over, Dunzo and yeah I can and I you, can buy a box for nothing yeah exactly and you usually you you shoot a 12 gauge I've been carrying a 20 gauge for three or four years now and have just really enjoyed carrying the lightweight gun and I've had really good success shooting the number sixes um uh, 20 gauge long beards and I I don't have any concerns yeah with it it's a it's a great pattern 
Um, I'm I'm very excited because speaking of guns, we're gonna I'm gonna be using a, the new Winchester or a new Winchester SX4. SX4. Yep. And I'm it's at the gunsmith right now getting the Vortex Spark Solar yep. mounted. So uh, you know, for, I like a red dot on a shotgun or a scope on a shotgun for turkeys because. I just like that, you know, when you shoot some of those guns that are made for wing shooting, it may be, a, do you bury the bead? Is it a strong bead? Is it a soft bead? Like, where where do you put the bead? Do you line it up perfectly where you see the full bead, or do you just hide it behind the, the yeah. bridge of the gun? Well, with a red dot, just put the red dot at the base of the head and pull the trigger. Re- regardless of who you are, you know, what age you are, it literally is... The red dot goes on the target where it needs to go, exactly. and you pull the trigger. And, yeah. and that, like Keith Hammer was just up the other day. He's like, oh, I haven't patterned a shotgun or anything like that. I was like, dude, you're more than welcome to use yeah. ours, mine, when you come up. It's a red dot, and you just take it and go. He's like, all right, I may do that. Like, But that's the that's the the value of having a red dot is no matter who picks up the gun, it shoots the same. Yeah. And and especially now with that Vortex Spark Solar, we really like it. It's very small, but it has the ability to stay on for 16 hours and activate it with movement. We've talked about it on the podcast yep. before. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, we do really, really like that red dot. Um, I sighted in the other day, and it was it it took like five shots with seven and a half to just get it fine-tuned, threw in a couple of the long beard rounds just to make yep. sure, did a few tiny adjustments on it. And I mean, I was I was in the ball game, ready to rock and roll. Was there many people over there? No, shooting lead. Nope, they're all hoarding it, right? Now. All hoarding it. <laughs> no way. It was, it was a weekday though, too. Middle yeah. of the day. Oh man, I remember hunting by that range. If you went to the one, I think you mm-hmm. went to when uh, back in the college days, and it was just like all night, the whole time. Wow. It's like now, both those people that went over there and did that are like, dang, I wasted a lot of ammo. <laughs> um, and then so. That's a shotgun. Yep. Um, I'm so, very excited. It's the first semi-auto I've hunted with in a long time, and so I, it, it's going to be fun. But I know there's some people who carry a ton of rounds with them. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm four and under kind of thing. I put three in the gun and then usually have two or three in my vest. Yeah, I'm not carrying And sometimes it may box. only be one. No. no. Like the, no. I, that's just extra weight. Don't even don't even give yourself that opportunity. <laughs> to me, it's it's um load the gun. Yeah, one or two. If it rounds, takes more it. than those five or six, we've the day's that's been done. very messed up. Done something went bad. Yeah. Um. So next up, uh, trying to save the best for last, but I'll go over some of the calls. These are this is one of them that I could very easily pitch, and you're looking yeah. at this going, "What the heck is that? Oh, I don't know that I'm, one." But I'm I've got two of them here, and I'm trying to remember the two. Okay, yes, I remember. One of these is the Pileated Woodpecker or mm-hmm. Peacock. Oh, gosh. You're blowing us out. Yeah, oh. there you go. So Ugh. I got that one. Um, it wasn't that loud in my headset. It might have been loud in yours. But, um, yeah, uh, I carry that. That's one of them where it's like, some days that works. So it's in there, and it weighs basically nothing. And then the other one, I think, is from James Harrison, if I remember right. Hold on. That's how I use it. So it's like a screaming owl call, um, which I think he's kind of modified it and hit the market with something new this year. Um, But, yeah, those are the two I carry. 
these are the ones that I very rarely use, but they're in there for, you know, a rainy day goof-off locator well, competition. Well, and that's the thing. We, what's, what's weird, I guess I haven't really ever thought about it, is everyone's got different styles of turkey hunting. I grew up on the East Coast, and then when we met, obviously you'd hunt in Midwest a lot. But we had, like, the exact same style of turkey hunting. Yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, well, that's how you do it. Oh, that's it. No, it's just like, let's go hunt. And we did pretty much always on the same page. And which was nice. But at the same time, when it comes to locators, pretty much always been natural voice. Like, didn't yeah. really carry yeah. locator calls. Just always like, well, I need to sound like a crow. And with a little bit of practice, just kind of like the diaphragm, you can get a crow call natural voice to really carry. You can. And, and, and I carry a crow call, and I'll tell mm-hmm. you why I carry a crow call. I use my voice nine times out of ten. But this crow call can get a lot louder than I can. Pitched. And it's a Frequency. lot higher pitch. So if I really need something to scream, you can see I've got dust on there from it basically staying in the pocket the whole time. But that's why I think a lot of guys would carry a crow call because I don't know if people are really aware of the benefits of using a natural voice and how easy it is and how I, I, I guess it's easy to pick up and I and I I'll laugh, old C J Davis, a friend of friend of ours. Yeah. Uh I remember telling showing him how I did it and just still to this day I can hear him practicing his crow call. <laughs> well, say, Cracks me up every time. Make sure you go and if you're trying to learn, make sure you're going doing an alpha in the middle of nowhere by yourself because yeah. it's gonna sound goofy for a little bit, you're but like feel goofy. You're you know it, you can get it to mimic a crow extremely, like, lifelike. I mean, it, it is like I think like it's no way question. more realistic. I, I do. And I think... I'll uh, hit you with one. I'll hit you with oh, one. Go ahead. I mean, it, it it's it's a crow. It's not, it's not a difficult noise to make. No. You make a gravelly call and... There you go. Like yeah. it, it's it's not that hard. It just takes a little bit of time to perfect. But um, the the crow call to me, everyone does the three round burst, bah, 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 like with the crow call, and it has that squeaky high pitch. Like when you hear one with someone else doing it, you're like, that's another hunter. Oh, like, I I can pick that sound land, up. It's like there's a hunter. Exactly. Same thing with an owl hoot. I can mm-hmm. hear an owl hoot. <laughs> yeah. No. I. It's not. I. That's, I don't want to make that same exact no. sound, so go natural voice. And there's a lot of different calls that a owl will make that that typical hooter doesn't really do a good job at. And so whether you're trying to throw in laughters or different notes, it's like I don't I don't want to sound just like everyone else's locator. So I'm just going straight natural voice, and I'll figure it. And out. if you notice, like Chad and I, so my dad has always hooted like an owl, never used an owl call. My brother, same way. And I do it now this uh, in the, with my voice. But I do it, and I sound totally different, Dad and Chad. And it's because yeah. I hold my tongue at the roof of my mouth when they lay theirs. They relax theirs. And so mine has a different sound. And just like any person can make different sounds like an owl. Yeah. And I think it sounds way more realistic than than a lot of – than any – than most people picking up an owl call will make. Yeah, and, and again, if you're hunting in – heavily populated, you know, excuse me, high density areas, public land stuff, a lot of times it can come down to give them a different sound and they may respond. But every morning on a limb, I don't want to hear that. 
Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> Let's do yeah. something normal. I like the single uh, note. Yeah. I, I, I like the. For sure. And, and it, it. Uh, to me, it carries, but I hear that single note very often naturally coming from owls. Yeah. And, like, then you'll get that chain reaction, too, from multiple normal, like, real owls. Um, and, and I guess I haven't ran a crow call or just an owl call in a long time, but I did it yesterday. I was putting out some cameras, but I crow called, and there was four crows that responded to me. Yeah. Same thing with an owl. Like, I want to do a real-life, lifelike call, and if I'm not getting a response from an owl or hopefully a turkey, then it's like, huh. Maybe that doesn't sound quite right, but I don't get that response normally with a that generic crow call sound on on a call itself or an owl call hoot, three hoot note kind of thing. Yeah. So guys, anyhow, learn how to call with your natural voice. Yeah. When for it sure. comes to locator calls, I do carry a coyote call because it can get a lot higher than what my voice can. Yeah. Because I can't get like, get that high pitched. Yeah. And, and that's that's good for roosting. Uh, yeah. Opposed to an owl, a lot of places have got a lot of coyotes, and and if yeah. they're not cranked up when you want a bird to gobble then for sure it's, it's good to here's the that. next one that's most most uh if i had this in the mouth call i would be like i don't care what I happens don't, I don't turkeys need a are still gonna get killed <laughs> yeah and yeah, that is uh, and this is basically the last joint of a yeah. an adult turkey wing with Primaries. electric tape around the end where all the fat and flesh would be dried up and gross yep so now you don't see it my wife doesn't see it when it's sitting on her couch. It's just, and it's like a perfect handle too, yeah. um, the way it sets. But basically, um, it is a wing, and it's used for fly downs, and it's used for fights. And that's just me doing my voice. Don't judge that, Colin. And then, most importantly, it's for scratching in leaves. Yeah. And so that sits in the back, right where the decoy goes. And rides there all season long, and every single time I sit down, it comes out of the vest. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, I mean, I will put decoys behind a tree if I don't have time to set up decoys or the situation doesn't call for it. What, what have you? Decoys go behind the trees, but regardless, that wing comes out, and I can't tell you how many times um, finishing a bird that has come in in handy. I remember last last year, Chad. Um, you were kind of float calling back behind us, but we were kind of stuck out in the middle of a little bit of edge of a field. And um, this bird, man, he was just off the crest, and I could see him and barely film him on the edge through some buck brush. And Chad, like, there was no shot opportunity for him. And I, this bird is 30 yards, but the buck brush was hiding us. I just reached over, grabbed the mm. the wing, and scratched three or four times. And that joker just sucked and turned and exposed himself beyond the buck brush for Chad to shoot. But – it was without a doubt. He was just kind of hanging back prior to just back and forth, back and forth, out of out of sight from Chad, and he heard that full commit right into the open. Um, and that's just if you watch one of the hunts on our YouTube channel with countless Heath times north from Stratton, I did the same thing. You can hear me scratching the mm-hmm. leaves, and that bird finished out. So I don't think. I mean, so many guys aren't utilizing that technique or even that call. When you harvest a bird, cut the last joint off, wrap it up, or douse it in salt, and then wrap it up. And, and number two, 
it's super lightweight as well. I yeah. mean, if I wanted to carry most <clears throat> most lightweight possible, I would have a diaphragm and a and a turkey wing, and I'd go to town. Yeah, it'd be game over. And then, so this is where we might different that we might have a difference of opinion between yep. you, Chad, and myself. Um, because the next, what we have left is, so we've got, we said we needed sandpaper yep. or some sort of a, abrasive. abrasive. I carry that Primo's slick stick, I think it's called, um, because it's got a stone on it and some chalk and stuff. That's a pretty good little $10 investment uh, for giving Multiple some. Multiple surfaces to be yep. able to use. And then calls. also um, the best chalk I have found for uh, box calls is, the Primo's chalk that's kind of a red tint that you can get uh, at the any Walmart, basically. Um, and th- the reason I like it is it's very, very sticky almost. Like, it doesn't just flake off. I thought you were going to say chalky. It's very chalky. <laughs> the chalk yeah. is chalky. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like the powderish that you put on the wood and it just falls off with a yeah. few. This one actually kind of sticks to the wood, it seems. And so uh, that's my favorite. And fortunately, so as we shift into... I think if you were to ask Chad and Matt and myself which friction calls you would take, if you could only choose one, what surface mm-hmm. and which one would it be, I would bet you guys would say a pot call. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chad would likely say a crystal or glass surface call, um, fr- uh, pot call. You don't think so. he'd go aluminum? Uh, he, uh, yeah, he probably would. Yeah. I forget about that. He yeah. loves aluminum. Um, because that's, that's that's the one I would take probably. He uh, would go aluminum, anodized aluminum, and uh, Chad would go not anodized aluminum. He would mm-hmm. go uh, for years. He used the old Silver, Silver Queen, Queen. <laughs> um, from he, Night and Hail. Twenty dollar call, man. He he makes it he, ring on that thing, and he can. <laughs> I mean, turkeys. There's yeah. been a pile of turkeys from that call. Twenty dollars, pretty and, good investment. It, well, and that's the funny thing because, and not to say that. More expensive calls don't have that same quality tone, what have you. You can get and because there's turkey calls from twenty dollars to one hundred and twenty, hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. But that call, that combo, the way he runs it, the Joker screams. It sends high pitched yelps. It's mixed with distances. a pretty expensive striker. It, it though. is. It is. Um, yeah. But but at the same time, I've seen him finish out birds too with it being a float caller um and you know make it work so there's a lots of different things i would say i would run an uh anodized aluminum has that high pitch frequency i can get soft with a diaphragm no hand so i don't need it a, a, a friction to finish a bird i'd use it for a locator What's, to get out there what surfaces do you use on your pot call so i've got an anodized aluminum and now well, and then there's a there's a slate that's a whole nother. Uh, it's the Cluck and Purr pot from from mm. Woodhaven. Yeah, that's a very thin slate, deep hollow. Um, I like can't that one. get loud with it no. at all. It's not Can't designed even, no, for that. Not designed for that at all. It kind of um, goes with that leaves and the scratch and close them out. Yes. Yeah. Um, but andes aluminum, and then I like a glass surface too. Yeah, I like a glass. And I'm sitting here looking at a ceramic. My dad runs a ceramic, and he he and then a slate. So a David Halloran. Uh huh. uh, That's a good call. Ceramic. Oh, it's amazing. And with a yellow heart striker, Mm -hmm. which we'll go over strikers in a bit, and then a hooks slate, and then a foot on the head uh, crystal. Uh, Beautiful call. I haven't tried it enough outside to see what it does, but um, client of ours just. Um, 
made a brass surface. I'm yeah. interested to see how it does in a hunting situation. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. But it, when I ran it in Tennessee, it was loud. Yeah, it's a beautiful call. And I think that's one of the things about our, at least for me, is fun to almost like culling where you're like every year there's a new slate call that yeah. might make the game, but there's already the key ones, the key players. It's like, okay, if I can find a call that beats one of these three, then I'll remove. I'll subtract and add. Yes. Yeah. Sub- and substitute in. So like the David Holleran. It's like, it's like a bench warmer kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. The David Holleran or Holleran, however you pronounce it, that call is one of them that's like, oh, my goodness, yeah. this call is somebody. This is and it immediately jumped in the in the vest, and I forget which one I I subbed out. But um, over the course, I've got a whole a whole tub, little tub mm-hmm. about shoebox size that's just filled with slate calls that I've used for years. Like I have a Primo's Aluma slate in there, similar to Chad's Silver Queen. Yeah, and it's just they all have their purpose. And mm-hmm. for me, the slate calls is like I have, like I said, the the hooks. I don't know the name of it. But it's a slate call. Yeah, what is that? And that call for me, obviously being Pennsylvania slate, can't take moisture at all. Yep. If it's a heavy dew morning, I'm like, leave it in the vest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it can do really good tree yelps. Yep. That if I'm not close enough, and this is kind of the comparison with mouth calls versus slate call. If I'm not close enough that I feel my tree yelps on a mouth call aren't being heard by the tom, then I'll do tree yelps on that slate, Pennsylvania slate pot call. Right, and that's that's the difference. So to me, like if you will, look at whether you want to call them tools, weapons, whatever, I want to be able with a friction call to be able to reach out and scream. So that's why I carry anodized aluminum surface, and then I have the, the, um, the slate and that uh, pot, no, what is it? Cluck and purr pot that yeah. is very like birds are super close. <clears throat> I'm I'm close to a bird on the limb. I can communicate with that turkey, and it's even softer than a diaphragm. You can get super soft on diaphragm, but it's like very they're crisp notes that you can make. So really, again, any type of situation. That's what I'm when I'm calling a call from a pack, or I'm trying to figure out what's next, or do I need to to leave one at home? Those are the situations that I'm like, okay, do I have something? in that that I can use to communicate what I want to communicate. And essentially yeah. that's that's how I determine what goes in the pack and what doesn't. And then, right, like you said, something else comes along, I run it, I try it with a bunch of different types of strikers because strikers make a big difference How too. many strikers do you carry? I carry two main ones and then one extra one just in case something happens to one. I lose it because I know people talk about losing them all the time. I, I've been really good. I don't really lose them but just in case something happens um or maybe i'll lose like a piece of sandpaper or my abrasive deal to to scratch it up i've got yeah a third i don't carry any more than that i've kind of yeah. cut it down to the two the cause i do have a purple heart one right now though i did i threw that one in the bag i um, carry four and I carry because I would love to jam. I would love to have four pot calls, but I've cut it down to three and maybe even eventually two. Yeah. But I'm still going to carry four strikers. And I carry strikers that aren't necessarily ones that, like, 
I don't know. Uh, other than David Hollerin, one that's a yellow heart that's combined with that with that yellow ceramic mm-hmm. that they have. But I have a hooks gobbler stick that's Ipe wood. Yep. I have a um, and that David Hollerin is a mushroom tipped. The other ones are flare tipped. Um, I have the cutting striker from Primos and the Kiki striker from Primos. And I think if you pin me in a corner and said you can only choose one, I'd choose that Primo's Kiki Striker because mm-hmm. it hits the frequency that I like when I'm using my slate calls. Um, and those four, you know, I don't know what the scenario then would be, but you can, you've can you got three pot calls, four strikers, so there's a ton of different sounds I can get with all those. And, you know, I, I go back and mm-hmm. forth a lot when it comes to calling the turkeys. A lot has to do with cadence. Yeah. The rhythm – that you're making, is it lifelike? And then I think it's really a, a combination of rhythm as well as as uh, volume. Is it lifelike? And, and and again, we're talking about creating 20, 30 different types of sounds and these combinations of calls that we that we have and carry in the vest. But you could boil it down and just be super simple. But I I have confidence in knowing that again, whatever situation there is. I've got it in my vest that I can make that sound, tone, frequency, deliver whatever message I want to. And it's not excessive. One thing I know that we haven't really talked about that goes in a vest, um, we we mentioned you could put that in one of the pockets of the the, uh, vest, but is pruners. Yep. I always carry pruners with me. One, filming is super nice, but sometimes you just get stuck in a situation where you got to make something happen and it's not ideal. So, Well, the farm we oh. hunt in Lebanon, Missouri, has horrible buck brush or coral berry around and, most of the trees. And gooseberry. Between those two, you've got to trim something, especially yeah. late, late in the season if you're hunting. It is full leaf out. And most of oh. it's, you know, it's it's great. If when you sit down, it's knee high. Yeah. But most of this is over your head high when you mm-hmm. sit down. And you're like, I can't. I gotta cut a hole out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so for me, y- you know, uh, pruners or a small saw is is a must. Yep. Um, and then another thing I carry is that tote, some sort of tote to mm-hmm. carry a turkey out. Mm-hmm. Ours is like a little bitty cable with a slip on it, and you just slip it around their legs and. Throw the legs out. over your shoulder and tote them out, and a so it's a cable that slips around, um, kind of like a slip knot, I guess. Cable like a, leading like up a to T-handle. a T handle, yeah. basically stick of wood, and uh, and it works really really well. Um, yeah, uh, you know the slate calls are you like I was mentioned earlier. You and Chad seem to really love those, and I love them too. But I really. Absolutely, from when I was, I don't know, 14 years old, I bought a little heart, little heartbreaker from Primo's, and I've just bec- uh, become a fan of box now, calls. Now you switched into box call talking now. Yep. yep, switching into box call talking. So I don't even – Chad does now. Chad carries a David yep. Halloran uh, box call. Yep. Uh, really, this is really first, nice call. First year, I think he got it as a – Kind of a going away gift for for a job work. last year. Yep, I haven't I haven't heard it. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him run it yet. But no. um, you won't I either know. if he's with me, because <laughs> you'll see my box call <laughs> take precedence. <laughs> I'll see you both fighting over who actually gets to use yeah. their box call. <laughs> but I'm excited to to um, to see it. I don't. The reason I don't carry one is because 
just of of the additional weight and it's it's not as streamlined it's a little bit bulkier but is it is it is it useful 110 percent yeah yep. I've seen and two I know that at at any point I could say Adam Hit the, the box. <laughs> Before I even get the words out of my mouth, you've already got it unzipped and are ready to mine, hit on I it. I carry so. mine in the uh, – and and this is another little, uh, I guess, tip, is if you have a box call, look into the Primo's box call uh-huh. holders. Yeah. They're the qu- best thing I've found keep for that keeping, lid quiet. keeping a box quiet instead of going <laughs> here, here, here while you're between, walking around. Between that and, and mouth calls clinking that really cheap plastic, I can't Or cheap it. rubber boots yeah. with – where you're, you've worn Heels. through the heel, and it's like, yeah. little tree frogs every time you take a step. Those three <laughs> yeah. sounds, the worst sounds for a turkey hunter yeah. on him. Yep. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I you know, the, the box call. So the one I, I carried for years and years and years, and I'm going to get it again. By golly, I was sick of it last year. I think it's at my parents' house. I think I retired it at my parents' house. But it's the Lil Heartbreaker, old school. It's before Primo's even had the phrase, speak the language. It was for the woods. I don't know how old that makes it, but it's a very old, one-sided box mm-hmm. call. Hits a frequency that I can't really – I can get close on my slates or my my pot calls, but for some reason that, that box call has just been really, really good to me. And so I carry that. Uh, last year I subbed it out, and I got the Tall Timber Tall Timber Gabriel mm-hmm. by Primos, which is the same thing, just with the hand little grooves cut out on the one side for cutting a little better. It's a great box call. They're both the exact same, minus the little grooves. But I carry it for windy days, cutting and running, or if I'm trying to sound like multiple hens in a flock and the tom's still couple hundred yards away right that's what i use a box call for and i think you either you either need a one good pot call that hits high frequency or a uh or a box call and i think that's why people that don't hunt with us or haven't hunted with us would probably and have never hunted the way we hunt would probably say whoa those guys crank them (laughs) those guys are aggressive (laughs) yeah Um, and we are but i live by the belief of Really, if I think so many times guys call and turkeys don't hear them because they're calling too soft. It's like, he can't hear you. And I've hunted with guys where it's like the guy will call and I'm like, he can't hear you. He can't hear you. He's gobbling everything else that's making noise. And you call and he doesn't gobble. He can't hear you. Hit it louder. And then they'll hit it louder and be like, oh, there he is. I think, and I talk to, let's say, turkeys differently in obviously every situation, but I have found – like Virginia, deep south, you can't be quite as aggressive. Not that you can get away with things here in Missouri that you can get can't get away with there, but just the vocalization. There, it just seems like they're more vocal bird out here than comparatively speaking. And, and I think it all beca- be- is the temperament of the individual bird because. First year I went to Florida, it was like, oh, you can't treat them like Easterns. You can't treat them like Easterns. And I called a buddy, and I was like, hey. Actually, it was Scott Hook with Hook's mm-hmm. Calls. And he's like, yeah, that, that stinking garbage. I think there's, gener- there's certainly generalities, and that's why we, we look at every situation like, okay, what is that bird doing right here, right now? Because he may cool off in 30 minutes, but right now I can get aggressive with him. So, by golly, I'm going to do it. Well, I, and so I, I remember the first trip to Florida – it was like, okay, we can't call them like Easterns, whatever. I was actually filming at the time, and it was like, okay, 
birds are on the roost, we've heard some gobbles, but we're being conservative. And finally, mid-morning, I got real aggressive. Bird gobbled. I kept at him, kept the same cutting and fighting and purring. All of a sudden, bird came right in. It was like, I only we only killed that bird because I was aggressive. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I don't really know if I believe everything about Osceola's being very cool temperament, but at the same time, probably overall, yeah, we might say that they're not as you can't call to them as aggressively as a uh, as an eastern in the Midwest, but certainly I will say that. Alabama, Mississippi, yeah, you typically can't get nearly as aggressive with those birds <laughs> yeah. as you can here in Missouri. There, but, but at the same time, I, it's like the woodsmanship and the soft call and the wing is is the tools that I'm going to use in those situations way more than I would um, rely on, let's say, cutting, getting a bird worked up. Like, I, I can – I don't, I don't even know how many times we've done this in seasons, but just well, you can you hear birds fire up. Let's just call it mid morning. You hear a bird fire up. He gobbles back wow, off in the distance, and like you start cutting back at him, and like you can see that temperature rise in his gobbles. Yeah. You are really working the bird and getting him excited, and and ultimately that's what breaks him. It's almost just. You keep your foot on the gas on a bird here, and it's like, wait, there is a there is a girl out there for me, <laughs> and soon enough, yeah. boom, there they come. But you you are almost a little bit more responsible for getting that bird worked up and in the mood to be able to commit, opposed to maybe some other situations or other states. However, there's always exceptions, and I've had some absolute screaming turkeys hunting and killed in Virginia. Yeah. Just in your face action that you would want anywhere and everywhere. But again, situationally based, we've uh, we c- okay. we've got it in the vest to be able to. I think we covered everything scenarios. that's been in our vest and how we utilize it. The one thing that uh, I before we kick it off, uh, this is something that I always laugh about. Um, opening season. So this is going to air on basically less than a week from opening day. And I think, you know, you can read all the articles in the world and people say, well, opening day, keep it conservative, don't get over aggressive, don't call too much, you're going to make them call shy. And all that stuff, I'm like, throw it out the window. We're going to crank on them from day one. (laughs) And if we don't kill them day one, we'll crank on them day two and we're going to kill them (laughs) then. And I I don't believe that stuff of like, oh, make them call shy. Now, I think there's some things that like down south, public land, yeah, it might not be your best choice. But if you're hunting private ground and your birds aren't real – I'm like, there is no point shooting a bird that's not gobbling, not strutting. He's just wandering through the woods. I don't enjoy that. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to just. I I want the experience in that interaction back and forth of displaying dominance, gobbling hard, and strutting, like committing to a call. You could deer hunt them all you want. That's not the way I want to be able to to use a tag. Let's say I want a different type of experience in the spring. Um, I can deer hunt all fall. Anybody with no calling experience and the best decoys in the world can sit in a spot oh, sure. known to have turkeys sure, and sure, eventually sure, sure. kill one. That's yeah. not fun to me. And I don't I don't mean to talk bad if that's your way of hunting. Good for you. Wonderful. But to me, I feel like if I'm gonna get if I'm going out and I'm gonna and I'm gonna do this, I wanna make I wanna make my turkey hunt a ten rather than a three. Yeah. 
And so I want to crank everything to 10. Let's call. Let's get him a gobble. Let's get him to come in. And we do use decoys a mm-hmm. lot, mainly mm-hmm. for the filming side of it, to help take eyeballs off looking for somebody. But usually it's one hen. But if we're in a field, we may use a jake and a hen. That's about as far as we ever go with it. Yeah. Um, typically. And, uh, man, I tell you what, one hen decoy and getting a bird to just come right in point blank is amazing. And especially if he's gobbling. That's why I cut at them when they're in range. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so much fun. And so I think I don't opening day, we're going to be ripping them. We're going to be trying <laughs> to make them gobble. We're going to be cutting at them constantly through the morning if we don't find them off the roost. And eventually we're going to make it happen. Well, and and if if there is a bird that gobbles and responds and we're cutting back and not getting a response that we want of that increased excitement or we sense that that bird gobbled the next time and he's farther away, probably has hens with it, honestly, we're going to go and find a different, a different bird. We're not going to waste time on a bird who's maybe difficult to call in that we're going to have to really play a, a game of just sit and wait and get in front of the flock. Um, we want that calling in type of experience, that, that in-your-face action. So all those tools um, definitely use for... In the vest, those are the tools that we're using to accomplish it. Um, you mentioned the decoys. Yeah, Only we're using. Thing. I, I'm using Lucky Duck. You've got Avian X. Yep, and I, I've got a new one. A guy gave me the Funky Chicken. I'm going to try it. <laughs> oh I'm man, gonna, I'm going to try it. The Funky Chicken, which is yep. a real goofy looking thing. It looks Skinny like a bowling Jake. pin. Yeah, to me. Yeah, that's Fair honestly. The, and here's the, here's. One, the reason why, because he said, try it. I've had experience, great experience with him. Like, hey, I'll try anything, whatever. Yeah. But instead of carrying two decoy bags, I carry one, and it fits in with the hen. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's wonderful. Fine. I'll yeah. do it. Like, I'll give it a whirl. It may look silly out there, but you say it works, I'll try it. Well, a decoy sticking out in the middle of a field looks pretty silly, too. So That's right. That's right. Yeah. Whatever we'll give it a whirl, and honestly, I think it's the it's the bright red head that just sets off. Yeah, regardless. Uh, and a little I mean, bit shoot, of wimpy body. There's people body. scooting behind a fan killing turkeys, so uh, certainly a neck with a red head on it's going to do something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, no, well, I, I'm uh, excited for good it. Good luck to everybody during spring turkey season. Yep. Be safe, for and sure. uh, man, ultimately, just take some time while it's while the morning's opening up, and just embrace God's presence mm-hmm. in the outdoors. That's what it's created here for. And uh, hopefully you guys can, can really key in on on the creator of the heavens and the earth and uh, enjoy your time even more. I promise you it'll be worth it. I'm good. Yeah.